Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Mojo. Ah, yes, here it is. Got your mojo working. Pizzazz, oomph, zest, passion, energy, vibe, ACDC. The Mojo Radio Show. Hey, that can't be right. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Nice to have you in the house. Thanks for hitting the download button. We appreciate it. We like having you all along. And uh, let's face it, it gives us something to do during the week. Um, <laughs> for those of you <laughs> for those of you here, here for the first time, what do we do? We just find really good good people like the guy we've got on today. We quiz them about what they do, how they do it why they've got their mojo working and what we can do to get our mojo working in and out of the workplace and steering the ship, the Captain Stubing of the Mojo Radio Show. Yeah, and you can be gopher. Uh, I've had way too much coffee this morning. I'm running the, uh, I'm running the Bay Coffee from uh, Neutral Bay, oh. the uh, Bay Coffee Roasters, who okay. are a Golden Bean Award-winning brew house. Hello to all the boys right. there. Well, hello <laughs> to, um, if you're going to do that, it's a quick hello to Pine Tea and Coffee, who are sponsoring uh, Voodoo <laughs> Sounds Coffee coffee Needs this morning. <laughs> their I'm Tuscany blend. I'm all jacked up a Mountain Dew, Oh, mate, their Tuscany <laughs> blend. I tell you what, I'm hooked on that at the moment. Yum. I'm going to jump across this console and spark <laughs> kick you. I'm all jacked up a Mountain Dew. So, uh, should we get into it? We should. The Mojo Radio Show. So apparently you've got 20 cents to spend this morning. Is that right, Mr. Bird Whistle? Mate, cop this. Gary's 20 cents worth. So I've just got these two cool products for people to check out. I'll mm-hmm. put links to the stories on the show notes yep. uh, if anybody is interested. But um, I have a, a, a genuine interest in innovation in advertising. I mean, i got a background in marketing, advertising and stuff. So I, I just have this interest in how people find stuff that's the next the next way of presenting brand. And uh, I've worked in Australia with Johnson & Johnson who have a range of Neutrogena products. I'm a bit of a fan, but in Brazil, Neutrogena have done an interactive magazine ad Mm -hmm. that allows people to, you basically take a makeup remover from the magazine and then you wipe a girl's face who is in the ad in the magazine and it shows you evidence, supposedly, that the product actually works. I just think it's a great innovation and mm. who knows where this sort of stuff's going to go to, don't you reckon? Yeah. You know what brings out the scoundrel in me though? I was, you know, like instead of wiping wiping the girl's face, like wiping the baby's bottom and seeing what happens. <laughs> oh, mate. Hey, let's um let's take let's take that to um Who's the baby? Who's the baby bottom wire? Oh, Johnson, Johnson and Johnson. Johnson Johnson, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, well, let's, let's take that idea to the other division of Johnson. <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> Maybe they might go for it. Who knows? I'll only charge them a little bit for that idea. <laughs> you know. The other idea I've found, which I mm. kind of think is very interesting, with where this where this could go to and the possibilities. Yeah. Um, IKEA mm. have started doing flat 
compact furniture made of paper. Wow. As a resource that we are in a lot of cases wasting and it's very robust and everything else, I just think it's quite interesting. Yeah. IKEA have done this. They're a very progressive, innovative company as it is. Mm. Uh, it does. I do wonder whether the Allen key will be made redundant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. While they say the Swedish flat pack furniture store is looking to take recycling to the next level with their new range of furniture completely made of paper. So if it looks all right and it works, and it takes up a resource that's being wasted and it's easy, <laughs> easy to put together. Yeah, totally. Hey, they're, they're fast becoming the apple of the, um, of the furniture retailers, aren't they, with their innovation? Um, I, I don't know whether you saw on Facebook, and this was probably a good year or so ago now, um, one, of the st- one of their stores in Europe somewhere, they, um, they actually had dog parking bays. Did you see those? They had like no. little blankets and stuff and bowls for your dog so you, and, and AstroTurf and all that sort of stuff so you could basically park your dog out the front of the store. Um, and they've been in the news a few times with innovative stuff like that over the last 12 months. So they're, um, someone's obviously thinking there at Ikea and good on them. Yeah, I'm a bit of a fan of them, actually. I, I do not like putting furniture together. That just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't ring my bells for me at all. However, I no. kind of like their vibe and what they're doing. So yeah. anyway, uh, I thought it was an interesting idea in advertising, mm. an interesting idea from Ikea. Yeah. I think the ideas are, are of value themselves, but it just makes people listening to the show who are in business or looking for the next cracking idea, where could it lead is the question. Yeah, absolutely. So, Beautiful. Hey, listen, uh, I've been listening through a few old interviews this week and I've got a cracker uh, lesson in rock, but um, we should probably get into this week's interview first and we might do that afterwards, eh? Well, back-ended, as they say in the business. Back-ended, yes. Help us get the Mojo Radio Show on the iTunes What's Hot list. Hit up the Mojo Radio Show and leave a comment now. Oh, and please... You are such a disappointing pair. Be gentle with us. So, Robbo, a number of months ago, I was doing a speech in Brisbane mm. at a company called Haynes. Now, do you, do you recall the Haynes uh, 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 boats? Haynes, you know, the beautiful yeah. speedboats yeah, and, and cruisers and stuff? Yep. Well, I was at their, at their warehouse factory doing a speech for their team and I met the CEO of Haynes up in Brisbane and I got to say, man, it was, it was just absolute boy toy yeah, heaven. heaven. The Willy Wonka chocolate factory of outboard speedboats. It was just... I love Haynes as a brand. And mm. anyway, I was up there talking to the guys and they spoke about a guy who'd been in to talk to them about leadership yep. and about having a stronger, more harmonious culture, which is a bit resilient and a bit of grit to it. And mm. the more they spoke about this guy, the more I kind of really wanted to meet him and talk to him. So I rang Dan Collins. He's a former uh, Olympian for Australia. Mm. What I loved in talking to Dan was not only the fact that he was a very successful athlete, but he now is a corporate coach. So he's one of the few guys that I think can take Olympic thinking Mm, and bring it into our workplace. And we've got him on the line. So Dan Collins, mate, welcome to the Mojo Radio. Thank you. Looks to be a 
good experience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I hope you haven't called yourself out too early, mate. Yeah, hang on, mate. We'll check back with you on, we'll check back with you on that one at the end of the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let's play it in and see how we go. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Dan, you've got a very impressive CV, mate, from sport to business. Can you just give our listeners an idea of your journey so far? Oh, how far back do I need to go? But just, just the good stuff, mate. <laughs> we don't want the gory bits. I, uh, I, um, I grew up in Western Suburbs of Sydney and uh, unfortunately I'm a long-suffering blues supporter. So we've had about 11 years of pain now, have we? Yeah, well, one year <laughs> yeah. off in the middle well, mate, there. I'm, I'm a Queenslander. Keep it coming, brother. Keep it coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no, well, look, um, I, I got involved in surf lifesaving um, and that led me to um, some uh, being talent identified into sprint canoeing. Uh, sprint canoeing is an Olympic sport and um, uh, worked hard enough to get to four Olympic Games, two, two, two medals, a bronze and a silver, um, world champion through the middle of it, and... Um, we then went into uh, went into management and administration of elite sport, where I've had a, an immense amount of fun and um, heartache and joy. So, as you can imagine, the cut and thrust of uh, the win loss ratio is in an interesting place. Um, and, and I've also worked for the International Rugby Board. So, I've worked in the NRL with Sydney Roosters, Cronulla Sharks, um, the AFL with the Brisbane Lions, and uh, international rugby. The International Rugby Board. So, yeah, look, I've had a, a, a from a sporting perspective, I've I've enjoyed a pretty good journey. Mm. And the work you're doing today, which sort of companies are you working with, and what sort of stuff would you be doing for them? Yeah, it's a good question. I, the the size of the size of companies can be anything from uh, sort of um, you know thirty to forty employees through to uh, and, and that's sort of yeah your Haynes client, yeah, uh, who are yeah. a client of mine, and then yeah. through to your larger your larger groups, um, doing a lot of work with Woolworths Australia. So, um, you know, they're, they're, you know they're, they're, they're a massive ship, so, and everything in between. So it doesn't – I think there's a certain size that I need to be working with, um, but in relation to how big you can go, it doesn't, it, it doesn't really – doesn't matter. They've all got similar issues, right? So, yeah, so yeah. Um, and, and, and those issues are how to provide an environment where um, where people can come to work and be at their best. And that's really what I think uh, organisations and leaders, their, their primary responsibility is to help people be at their best every day. And what's in your mind, say in recent times, we like, you know, say a trend of the last 12 months, what would you say is something that's getting in the way right now that you're seeing in general business with the people you're working with, the conversations you're having, the leadership that you're associated with? What would you say is one of the key things that's getting in the way of us being our best right now? It's interesting because I, I, I actually, like, I, I ask people a question, I ask leaders a question. Do you think your employees or do you think the people that come to work to work for you, do you think they get up in the morning and go, oh, I'm going to be average today. You know, I just want to be average. You know, like, <laughs> no, no. And if you take it a step further, do you think anyone sort of turns up and goes, well, I'm actually going to be pretty crappy today? You know, so uh, no one no one does that. Everyone, um, everyone who gets up in the morning wants to go to work and feel like they've contributed and feel like they've improved themselves and feel proud of what they've done today, regardless of the level that you're at. 
my view is is that we don't take that attitude and really run with it. So we actually put barriers in the way to people who are being at their best. And those barriers start with, in my view, the way we look at our workforce. So we don't look at people and believe that um, they can be really excellent at what they do. Where there's a low level of uh, mistrust, whereas I think uh, if you took the attitude that everyone comes to work to be at their best, so therefore as a leader, I want to be able to provide that environment, then for me that attitude is completely different to uh, um, a lot of businesses that operate today. So what we want to try and do is just help people who are responsible for their excellence, and I don't see that happening. And uh, it, it starts at school too, right? Schools. When was the last time you took a um, you took a class in personal excellence or or winning at school? It's all about maths and science, and it, it, we don't teach people how to win. So, uh, and and everyone's definition of winning will be different, um, but uh, we certainly don't teach people uh, how to how, how to win, and we should. When you are that leader having to bring a team together and you want to get the best out of that team and you uh, have that dream of excellence, when there's conflict in amongst that team, are there certain steps that you would recommend to a leader to be able to alleviate that conflict to get more cohesion in a team? Oh, look, first and foremost, I think you've got to be careful where we look, how we look at conflict. I actually see conflict or um, friction is a really important part of the team operating well. So mm. you, you, want, you want people to be able to bring and express their views and bring, bring their very best selves every day. Uh, so I, I, first and foremost, I don't believe that um, there's, you know, when, when we talk, when we, when I've heard the saying there's no I in team, whereas I, I think mm. the opposite to that. I think we want to bring the very best, very best individuals uh, together uh, in relation to what we're trying to achieve collectively. So you get your very best group together you can, and invariably there, there will be conflict. And I don't believe in trying to actually manage that conflict. I think it's a really um, important part of uh, a team operating well together as long as there's an attitude of openness and understanding because in that, in that process, of being open and understanding, we get to learn about someone else's view, right? So, mm. so um, and I think the biggest thing that gets in the way of teams uh, is ego, because those people who then don't, who can't see another person's view and then change their view based on some new information, then ego gets in the way, and and you have this need to be right all the time. Whereas, I, I think teams that operate really well together, they'll have conflict. Um, and simply because they'll demand a lot of each other and they'll be high-performing individuals and high-performing individuals um, have a level of swagger, I suppose. And, yeah. in, and in doing so, they, they bring uh, a different view to everyone else. And you want those views. You don't not want them. It's, yeah. then, it's then removing the ego piece to go say, well, collectively, what's it, how do we pull all these things together? And that's the important part. Is is, is 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 for the best interest of the team. You very, you bring your very best work. So uh, it's an in, it's a really interesting dynamic. Um, mm. But you you certainly want people um, people to bring their views, even if they're differing, right? So 
Uh, and, and, and in those hugely different views, I reckon actually, I think there's, therein lies your understanding and your next level of performance. How do you make that healthy, Dan? How do you make that positive? Well, I think you start out everyone agreeing that what we're after. So mm. um, I talk about the big three. So whatever the big three things you're after as a team, does it satisfy everyone within it that if we reached yeah. these outcomes or this destination or this place, would everyone feel personally satisfied that they can bring enormous amounts of energy and skill to it? And I think that's the first thing. You've got to have – you've got to, people use common purpose. Uh, you know, like you could use that, I suppose. But I think um, for me, you've got to understand where the business is going or have an understanding of what the business is trying to achieve and personally, personally align your skills and your your attributes to know that you can contribute to that. So yeah. um, for me, that's, you know, that's an important place to, to start. Um, and then, like I said, the second one is is that we call each other, and this is this is a, again, it's an attitude that I think you can set at right at the beginning when a team is formed. We call each other when our self interests are then over and above the team, because I I think it's really important to have self interest, but those those self interests can't outweigh the the, um, the the needs of the collective. So yeah, um, and in, and in fact. When you do the, the alignment work, when you do um, and, you, and you pick your team correctly at the beginning and you align people's skills and attributes to the key outcomes of, the, of what's required for, from the team, you don't get many of those conflicts that you're talking about because people know that they've got to bring their the very best for the team to operate. So mm. um, it's, it's high-performing teams, are, they're fascinating, right? They're, um, they're, 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 and each, each team has a unique dynamic. Um, but but the underlying principle is is that we're all really good at what we do. Um, we 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 we, um, we all put that energy of what we do into something that we want to achieve together, mm. and and we're accountable to our mates to deliver uh, on on expectation. And I think those three key things you you start to get a really nice framework. Um, for a great high-performing team. So if you've worked with some pretty impressive teams over the year as a leader and a sports administrator, is there a leader, a coach, a captain, an executive that led one of those associations or teams that you've been associated with that you – Really, st- every time that they you were in their presence, you looked at them and went, "I can learn from this person." Do you remember one particular person who stood out? You don't have to name them if you don't want to, but one particular person who stood out, and and the one thing that you thought that they excelled at that made them that good in your mind. Oh, look, I, it's interesting. I one of my very first bosses, uh, I worked uh, for Australia Post back in nineteen hundred and frozen a time, so it was years and years ago. <laughs> And uh, I, I worked for a bloke called, uh, and he was very, he was outstanding. I liked to call uh, Bill Mitchell with Australia Post. And um, there's two, there's two things with um, with Bill that I really was was well, actually three. There's three key things. One is he had a steely resolve, um, but there was humility to it. So those two, those two pieces together, uh, they, they create an enormous presence 
So absolute resolve in the man. But um, within that, there was a humility to it, to realise that the team was was going to help him deliver what he had a vision for for the business. So mm. um, absolute humility to it. And the last one is 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 that he was he was I thought he was quite um, his communication style was always visionary. So he always painted a picture, whether it be individually for you, uh, painted a picture of success for the team or for the business. So he was always always telling the story how it could be for you. So um, it wasn't um, um, uh, I, I suppose. Um, ridiculous amounts of inspiration. It wasn't really that. It was just he could see excellence in most situations and he he alluded to it all the time. So he was always painting a nice picture or a vision for you uh, on a regular basis of of what's possible. Um, but he would also paint at the same time. It also let you know the level of work that was required to get there. So I think, uh, you know, as a leader, I took mm. a lot from the way he led. Um, mm. and, and I was fortunate enough to have um, a lot of contact with him. But also I look at coaches and, and, and players and other sports people and business people that I've been around, but you learn both the good and the bad, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's those leaders that you realise that the only way they can get people to do things is this command and control. They don't, um, they don't engage with people around their excellence, and then there's others that are too soft and cuddly and fluffy, and whilst it feels good in their presence, we actually get nothing done. So yeah, yeah. You know, there's, a, there's a real balance between um, the results you're after and putting pressure on people to help them feel like they're winners. So, mm. But the over, for me, the, the most underlying principle of all of them was that the good ones cared about your success. Mm. They cared. They cared enough that you. They cared enough to put a lot of energy into you as a person to help you be successful. Uh, and I, I think good leaders um, understand that. Dan, I've always been curious about the Olympic theatre, and you've you've been to the Olympic theatre a number of times. You've been to the World Theatre a number of times. When you have worked for four years to get to that moment, and you are putting it all on the line. Was there a process you went through to really, truly focus and be there when there was so much on the line? Oh, I think so much of your training kicks in. You know, like you, you practice and practice and practice and prepare and, 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 and do it thousands and thousands of times. That um, and, and you replay it in your head. And um, when you get to um, when you get to the big stage, which is a pressure cooker. Um, you want to be in a situation where physically um, you're on autopilot. So you don't want to be thinking about things um, on the big stage. You sort of Your preparation has prepared you really well for that moment, but then there's the coping with the emotions of the big moment. And, um, I, you know, my first Olympics, I absolutely stuffed up because, uh, firstly, we, 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 we didn't prepare well. Um, we went there with all the wrong attitude, and secondly, in the big moment, we um, we, we, we we crumbled with the pressure got to us. So I fast forward four years, and um, we, we we did enormous an enormous build up and a fantastic preparation. But on the big stage, when it counted the most, what we what we learned to do was discipline our mind to focus on 
to me, focus on what was important right now. As a process, um, I'd always know what the end outcome want, we wanted, but we never really got ahead of ourselves. It was we, we knew we knew exactly what we needed to be doing now for that out, that outcome in the future to materialise. So, um, and you've got to discipline your mind to that because if you think too far in the future, it's amazing what the brain <laughs> the brain paints a pretty awesome. Pretty ordinary picture sometimes, you know, like <laughs> um, of what of what may or may not happen. And then what happens is because you're you're you know you you become the prophet of your future. Mm. If you don't um, if you don't see what you want to see, then then worry and stress turns up. Whereas if you just focus on what is it I'm required to be really good at right in this moment, then and you discipline your mind to that. That, then I think you have much more chance of showing up on the line with the energy and the fortitude to uh, to take advantage of the situation, which is perform at your best. So um, I, I think the, the key to that is is um, being responsible by placing your thoughts where they need to be, and um, and and that thought process is a disciplined process. So you, you can't get good at it straight away. You've got to live it over a period of time to get really mentally resilient so mm. that you can place place your thoughts where they need to be. And uh, like I, I look at my first Olympics and we stuffed it. So mm. we, we weren't good at that where it took us a period of time to learn how to do that. Can you give me a, a real example of how you applied that same process or thinking to your business world now, like a real-life example where you have to show up to perform? Yeah, I mean, it's like you get used to picking your attitudes. So even going from one from one client to the next or one delivery technique, so you go from maybe keynote speaking to coaching or from, from one client where you're coaching to the next is, is this, I spend even sometimes just 30 seconds thinking about right now what does my client need of me. So I actually think about the person who I'm trying to serve uh, and I pick. Then I then I think you can pick the attitude that requires that you that you need to serve them best. So for me, there's a process of stopping, taking thirty seconds, a minute, whatever it might be, to just stop, still still yourself, and then say, right, what what's required of me right now? Um, and that question, uh, you, you know, that that question normally. You, you, you go to the thinking about the client or thinking about the person that you're trying to be at your best for, and mm. then you pick the attitude that best suits. So, um, and 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 any given moment, that that choice is available to us all, right? So yeah. uh, that that we can choose that at any at any point. So when if we were to, and I often think talk to people about what comes first, the thought or the feeling. And if you're having an ordinary day, I'm here to tell you that the feeling comes after the thought. So, you know, if you, you can change, you can change your day by changing your thought patterns. And again, that's just stopping, taking time to realise and identify that you're probably behaving unresourcefully, and then and then moving on. So, I, perfect example. Yesterday, I had a, a, a series of one-on-one coaching um, situations where every every everyone was very different over the course of an hour of coaching and had five coaching clients and each one you had to pick, had to stop, reset, hit the reset button and pick your attitude and reset for that particular client. So 
if you don't do that, then you meander through. And normally, if you meander through, the attitude picks you, right? But if if you take control of, or I take control of the attitude that I want, then you've got more chance of success. I'm just curious that you, like all of us, uh, and it would have been competitors you faced, people you work with in the sporting associations, family, coaching, the people you coach, we all have that voice of doubt in our minds that in some cases can be a larger default than others. How does Dan Collins, what, what do you go through when you have that voice of doubt? What's your, what's your own thinking, your process? What's your own dialogue? Yeah, great question. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome question. So, um, look, I think the first thing is, is I, actually, I, I actually thought I was abnormal. What if you could have a career? where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When I was early in my early in my athletic career, because I, I thought I was the only one climbing the deck. So I, I was the only one who was scared. I thought I was the only one. You know? So, but as I got later on and I talked to other athletes and I did research and study, I realised that we're all scared. We all have those. Mm. We all have fears around um, being good enough to take the opportunity, good enough to get the girl, make the sale, um, turn up on time. We all have those fears, right? Um. But, but for me, it started with realising that first and foremost, oh, that's normal. We've all got them. So that's the first thing. I think you've got to recognise that that this is something that's really important to me and I'm worried about it or, mm. I'm, or, I, or I'm fearful of it. And I think just being able to realise that first and foremost is, is a good recognition because um, without recognising or, or having that, Forefront, then you won't be able to solve it. You won't be able to solve the issue. Um, the, the second one, the second part of it is, is, is in my view, is, is um, as opposed to focusing on the outcomes that may or may not materialise, I focus on, for me, what is it that I need to be doing. So I, I go to planning stage pretty quickly. So I think about what I need to be doing now. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, that's massively helpful because you start to take action. And I'm of a view if you if you start off if you start off knowing what you want to achieve and you begin to act, then um, a big part of moving forward is realizing that first and foremost, it's normal to be frightened, normal to be scared, not normal to have worries. Second mm-hmm. one is is when you're acting, sometimes things won't work out. And I think we see failure completely wrong in the business world. So I'll give an example. In When I was when we were training, myself and Andrew Trim, um, we would walk into the gym in some days 
knowing that we would fail consistently. Um, and what I mean by that is, is we would take a level of action that our bodies and our minds at some point would break. So, yep. And in doing so, we found our limits. So for me, that was the feedback that, hey, these are my limits and this is where, my, this is where I can grow and be better. So for me, it's how we see failure as well. So if we saw failure more as a, as a feedback mechanism of where I'm at now, then it's not doesn't it's not the end of the journey, but the start of it. Um, yeah, and and I think we see failure as so much as the end of the journey, whereas really it's it's just life or the situation or someone else giving you a bit of feedback to say you're not good enough yet. And we have huge issues with not good enough thing, whereas really you should be just concentrating on the well, the yet bit. So what do I need to do next to be good enough? Um, and it takes, I think it takes a bit of pressure off, um, you know, realising, you, when you realise you're going to fail, it takes a bit of pressure off, I reckon. And in that failure is your, is, is your greatest growth opportunities. Robbo and I are on this journey. So we've been doing this show now for maybe six months and we've had a number of positive psychologists and people who are, from different fields uh, that all come together around one topic, which is grit. And the fact that we are breeding grit out of our children, we're breeding grit out of our businesses. It's an intrinsic thing that we probably want to have more of, but it's lacking a bit. When you are going through your journey from the sporting stage, the leaderships, uh, being in administration and so on, in your mind, how important is grit? And if it is important, are there particular steps that you took to develop that inner grit within yourself? Oh, you good, you got good questions. Um, <laughs> Don't tell him that. <laughs> no, terrific question. Oh, look, I think um, I talk about learning to suffer. So, um, uh, but we've got to suffer for a purpose, right? So. If um, if there's something that's really important to us, and we understand how important that thing is, and how much it will change change our lives if we arrive, it's amazing, amazing how much uh, humans are prepared to suffer, right? Mm. To get there. So that's I think that's one element of it. The second one is is that we have a view around competition. Um, which I believe teaches you grit. I think we have a view around competition that's really wrong. And, and I'll go back to this thing about when I talk about feedback, right? Competition is the best form of feedback you can have. We, we, can, we compete for a table at the restaurant. We compete for uh, positions uh, at work. We compete against other organisations. We compete for the dollar. And for me, competition is essential to helping you understand um, where, you, where you stand in the world and what, what, what life requires of you next for you to be good at your job or good at, good at what you want to achieve. Now, if you go back to school or back to kids' sport, we're taking the scoreboard away. And when you take the scoreboard away, I think you, you, miss, you miss an opportunity to teach children that it's not necessarily about the win or the loss 
but it's about how we see that win or loss. So what happens next is what counts, right? It's not that you've lost or you've won. It's what happens next that's really important. And if we're constantly taking that, that thing away where we go, hey, so we've just been beaten or we've just had a victory or we've just had a draw or we've just missed out on what we want to achieve, hey, what do we do next? That, to me, is this mental resilience piece or the grit that you're talking about. So what, what, I think we... we um, and then the other thing is... is what, the other thing is, is we don't talk about work as a sexy thing. Works, works, works what gives us enormous pride in what we do. So name me one thing, I say this to people, name me one thing that um, you've done in life that's worth, you know, that you've decided is worth doing. And you, when you arrived there, you didn't feel absolutely 100% happy about it. But along, but along the way, you had... You understood you were moving forward. You had progress. And that's, to me, what work is all about. We understand our progress. And, again, we, we don't talk about work as hey, it's a way of progressing through life. It's, it's a way of, um, you know, being, being and enjoying being excellent at what we do. So if you look at, for me, if you talk about grit, it's the first, the first one is, is our attitude to what happens next, our attitude to failure, our attitude to competition. Um, and, and then we don't talk about work in a light that, hey, this is what's required for us to feel, you know, successful or to feel a level of progress where we're, pr- pr- where we're proud, you know. I think that's gold there, Robbo. Gold in them, their heels indeed. Say, just humour me that in a couple of months' time the Olympic Masters competition is on and you have made the Australian team to go to the Olympics Masters that Robbo and I are holding. <laughs> and can you tell me what you would know now going into those Olympics that you wish you'd have known back when you were sitting on the Olympic or world stage back then? You know what, there's two things. First, first and foremost is it's just not that important. Like it's, at the time, at the time it feels like it's... Um, it's the end of the world if I don't do well, right? So uh, I think it's just not that important. Uh, I, you know, and that's, no, that's not being derogatory. Don't get me wrong. I think it's, um, it, it means a lot to a lot of people and it means to you a, lot, a lot to you at the time. Um, but, it, but in essence, it, it can't define you. It's part of you, but it can't define you. So I sort of that bit where you just go, well, look, enjoy it, but it's not the end of the world if things don't yeah. work out the way you want them to. So I think that's yep. probably the first thing. And, and, the, and the second thing is, is around um, if I knew now what I, what I did, you know, I knew, knew back then, you know, so sort of actually the reverse, if I knew back then what I know now, <laughs> I'd, um, um, I think I'd look at the journey a little bit different. So I'd, um, I'd probably involve more people in my success along the way. So you become, as an athlete, very insular. Um, mm. and, and I don't know if that's necessarily the, the environment that is conducive to, you know, to being a good human when you finish. So it's a yeah. very elitist place. Um, well, I think I try and bring more people along for the journey so that when you're finished, um, they shared in your success. And then, 
therefore, you know, maybe maybe they learn a bit from your journey as well. So I, I think those two key things would well, I'd change. It's nice. Uh, do you have any um – Daily Dan Collins rituals that you go through that are non-negotiables? Yeah, absolutely, I do. So first and, first and foremost, get out of bed at five and make sure you exercise. Absolute yep. number one thing. So I, I, um, I, I work on five one-hour sessions a week, no, not non-negotiable. So find mm. a way to get that done. Um, that's the first thing. And every Sunday night, I set up my week. So no matter what, um, Sunday night comes around, I look at what I want. What, what I want to achieve from the week and the attitudes that are required to be at the best for my clients. So I actually pick them on a Sunday night. Um, and then daily, at the end of every day, uh, in my journal, you'd be able to find uh, four headings, what I've learned today, what I'm grateful for, what was good fun, and what I contributed, those four things. And I write that down every every day. So to me, it's, um, it's it, those, those things set up everything else. And um, the absolute imperative for mine is, is that Sunday night you pick your attitude and pick what you want to achieve for the week. Um, you make sure that those four key things are central to your life, what you're learning, what you're grateful for, your fun and what you're contributing to, and uh, both people and, and, and task. Um, and overall, you've got, you've only got, we've only got one body, right? Mm. So it's got to last us through life and got to function at its best. So look after it, exercise every day. Mm. Now you think Gary's been asking you the hard hitting questions, but here they come now because I'm the holder of the hard hitting <laughs> questions. Um, what what's Dan Collins' go to track, music track? When we you're trying to get your mojo going, you're out for your hours exercise in the morning. What's what's blaring in? What's blaring on the iPod? Oh, oh really? Really? Yeah. I don't know. You know what? I'm the last person you want to ask about music. Really? I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, what I'm sort of sportsman are you? I actually, like, I actually like the silence. Okay. So, oh, nice. Yeah, well, there you go. That gets your mojo going? Yeah, the clearing of your head. Yep. Like, there's nothing better for me than to uh, be out in the ocean, clear, no, no noise except the, the, the noise of the waves, yep. and um, yep. absolutely clear head. So it's yep. amazing what happens when there's, there's nothing going on in between years. So your soundtrack, your mojo soundtrack is silence then? Yeah. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Well, even more. Here we go. And the, the most important one, even more important than, than the music, is um, what's your mojo recipe? What's your go-to recipe? You've had a tough day. You come home. You go right. I got. I got to eat something. Got to get me going. Got to get myself going. Got to get my mojo cranked. What do you go to the fridge and cook yourself? Oh, look, I, I'm so simple, and but nothing. I don't reckon anything beats a good steak and veg. Nothing. Oh yes, yeah, sir. man. After my own heart. Yeah. Yep, you got it. Now that. <laughs> A good size, a good size, uh, and you've got to have your, and absolutely got to have, mate, if I need need a bit of comfort food, I've got to have my ice cream and ice magic straight after. Oh, <laughs> listen to you. <laughs> hey. Buddy's a temple, hey? Buddy's a temple. You know, Robbo, I thought you were going to hit Dan up to come down to uh, the Pennant Hills Oval on Thursday night at 6 to, uh, to coach the, uh, the under-12 uh, Cherry Brook Rugby Union team, mate. Yeah, that was coming. Yeah, I'm trying, to think, I'm trying to think how I do that. <laughs> well, Dan, I'm going to say, mate, um, I've been looking forward to talking to you for quite a while now, and that was um, that was fantastic. I with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I loved your philosophies. I love your your answers were well thought out. And there's so much great gold in amongst um, all the content you've delivered. So, mate, thank you so much for your time. And um, can people can people book you for a one one to one or how do how do people get in contact with you and what sort of stuff would you like to do for people? Oh, look, I think um, you know my my, uh, my target is certainly executive teams because uh, I, I believe they're most responsible for helping people be excellent uh, is the executive level of of any organisation. So they're they're responsible for setting up the environment where people feel compelled and inspired to be at their best. So executive teams is where I like to, to focus my energies and, and, and culture change. And just go to my website if you want to grab my details. Um, it's www.dancollins.com.au and you'll find me on there. And I'd love to hear from you if, you, if, you're, if you've got some interest in that space. That's excellent. Mm. We'll, uh, we'll put a link to Dan's stuff in the show notes as well for you, mate. But um, that's been great. And... Um, I looking at your website. It's got Dan Collins leading leaders to excellence, and I think uh, the content you've given us has been excellent, mate. So um, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Well, thank you, guys. And wonderful questions, and uh, hopefully get some some more quality people on board. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for your time, mate. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. So the boat I remember is um is the Haynes Hunter. Is that right? That would, I seem to recall the the. Yeah, speedboat. I think yeah. that's where it all started. There's a famous there's a famous guy on the wall. I don't think it was Mr. Hain. I think he's the guy that sort of started the whole thing. It might have mm. been I don't know, maybe a partnership or something. But yeah. um, mate, great company, and they are smoking boats. Just yeah. Just sick. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the kids say today. Yeah, just sick. Have you got one in the dam at your place, mate? Oh, no, but I'd like one. They are sweet. I'd put a big mojo on the back of it. Yeah, and crank the dead daisies. Oh, God, man, I'm loving that song. I had it on before we started recording. I yeah. just had the studio cranky. Yeah, I'm actually, so, what I might I do was, is I, I, might, um, I, might, I might stick up on Facebook a, um, a copy of my text page between you and me because the last text I got from Gary was, when he was ready to record, was, hang on, mate, just got to turn down the dead daisies. Honestly, Mark, this is as a pre-promote for everybody, which is what they call in the business, we are going to run, we're going to bring back Rocktober mm. this year. And we have already started production. Robbo is the master of the panel and we've already started production. We've got Paul Christie from Mondo Rocks agreed to come on, the dead daisies. Yeah. It won't be a full rock show, but it's going to have a proper... Rocktober feel to it. So mm. anybody who listened to the old, the halcyon days in the house of the M's of Triple M, mm. 
when we used to crank out Rocktober, we promise you it will be like nothing you have ever heard the podcast before. <laughs> it'll, it'll sound like a rule, rule radio station. Well, it's, it's Rocktober with a mojo show bend on it, isn't it, really? That's what it's going to be. And some of the interviews we've got coming up for people who have agreed to be on our show during that month, you know, the business and lifestyle people in amongst Rocktober. Mm. I am so looking forward to this month. We're going to absolutely... Mm kill it. We're going to put so much time into it to make sure that you, our Mojo listeners, get a rocking good Rocktober. Indeed. God, don't sing, please. <laughs> no, I promise I won't. Now, um, before we get into the lessons of mm. rock for this week, uh, we've had a lot of activity on our Facebook site. We have. We've been busy. Yeah. So we should do some shout outs yeah. to our homies. Yeah. Well, one one to a homie who you and I both know, Mr. Mike Drayson. I cannot believe mm. the legend, the voice that is, yeah. actually <laughs> would go to the trouble of liking, yeah. liking well, us. Well, talking about legends of rock, for those who don't know him, Mike Drayson is a legend of rock radio. Oh, uh, man. Geez, 2SM back in the 70s in their, their halcyon days, Triple M after that. Oh. You know, just, Yeah. One of the uh, one of the all time legends of, of Australian rock and roll radio, Mr. Mike Drayson, a, a fantastic fantastic jock and awesome voiceover artist these days. Mate, awesome, awesome voice. Mm. And uh, Simon Thomas from Perth yep. liked us. St, big shout out, thanks, buddy. Mm-hmm. Good to have you on the uh, on the radio show. Yep. Who else we got, mate? Uh, Danny Redford is another one who's liked us. Byron Mitchell. Is another one now. Byron Mitchell is a school teacher that I know mm. in Geelong, and okay. his we went and visited, and I took Shelley Whitehurst with me with the tour de cure ah. to Byron's school. He's a living legend in his school. Right, he rode the tour de cure. So a big shout out to Byron and all yeah. the guys at the school there in Geelong. I interviewed Shelley Whitehurst for. I think four or five hundred of the students down there, and it was a very memorable. Magic moment being with his school. So um, mm. that's really good of him nice to uh, get in touch. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, indeed. And uh, you think you've got a couple more? Uh, Andrew Newman. Yep. Uh, liked us today. <laughs> Rory Bracken. So big shout out to Rory. Yeah, hey, and uh, one one that I thought was right up our alley. Mm. Well, here we go. <laughs> Crafty characters liked us. Crafty characters. Facebook. Okay. And they've picked us in one. So uh, <laughs> there you go. So that's it. It's a really good week. Very, very happy with that. Lot. Yeah, so, thanks um, for coming on board, guys. Yeah, yeah. It makes us, uh, it makes, as you can tell, it makes us feel good. We uh, we get a good vibe out of that. It makes us feel very warm and fuzzy. Get that mojo working. So um, let's finish up the show. Before we go, we have this new segment called Lessons of Rock. God of Rock, thank you for this chance to kick ass. We are your humble servants. Please give us the power to blow people's minds with our high-voltage rock. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Now let's get out there and melt some faces! The Mojo Radio Show's Lessons in Rock. So, mate, I went back this week and had listened through a few old interviews. Um, This is actually Anthony Maroon. Uh, of tri- oh. he's back at Triple M these days. We wow, did yeah. a special for the Angels. Uh, it was 25 years since the release of their Dark Room album a few years ago. Mm. And uh, during the interview, we were talking about one of their songs, an Angel song. This one, this is called Each City. Each City's gonna get 
And uh, I, I just I, I thought this was appropriate, mate. This is uh, this is Rick Brewster talking about um, how Doc's journaling actually helped them finish that song. Each city, can you tell us what's behind that song? John and I wrote a song with uh, very few lyrics in it, and as we did many times, we got together with Doc, went through. He used to have these um, books that he kept where he'd write odd lines and phrases and things and uh, between between us we would assemble them it was a bit like a jigsaw puzzle and we grabbed uh, he had some really good stuff about fat people and we grabbed that for that song it seemed seemed to uh, work well for it you and I spent a lot of time in the studio and and on the road promoting the angels they Mm. are one of the great iconic rock bands of all time. I've yep. never seen a band be able to move a room, probably apart from like an ACDC, be able to move a room and where Doc would have the room, mm. whether it be Celine, to have them in the palm of his hand. But I think uh, what people don't know about Doc, he was a really well-educated, smart, upright guy. Mm. And he was a great writer and he was very articulate. And it just goes to show, you know, that we talked about it before, the power of the journal is that I think we mentioned it week, a week, two weeks ago, that if you use your journals, you keep notes of stuff you hear on the Mojo Radio Show, like great lines, things to do, actions, just stuff. Mm. Mm. Just like, Doc, when you need to write a presentation or you want to do a flyer for something or you want to post something, you want to be, you just go back to your journal and harvest it the same way Doc did with harvesting lyrics. Mm. And you find that it's the best of the best all stored away. And uh, mm. I've got to say, whether you're using Evernote, which I'm a big fan of for digitally recording and tagging stuff, mm. or you use old school like Doc would have done mm. with leather-bound journals, you know, moleskins, he tucks in the back of his backpack. Um, that's a good piece, mate. I'm, I'm yeah. A, yeah, it's um, good memories of Doc and Brent and all the boys, all the Indeed. roosters. Yep. Indeed. Now, you had one too, I think, didn't you? To finish up, I was watching a documentary called 20 Foot from Stardom. And it sounds like it's me. It's a fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, don't flatter yourself, buddy. Um, so. <laughs> I, don't, I think you're 20 kilometres. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Probably a bit further than 20 foot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a really good show, mate. And it was about um, backing singers. Right. Yeah, the and unsung heroes. Mm. Yeah. And, of course, we've had one of Australia's legendary backing singers, Wendy Matthews, on the show a number of weeks ago. And yeah. that, for anybody who hasn't caught up, go back and listen to Wendy because uh, she tells the story of walking through Woolworths shopping and hearing <laughs> if I could turn back time by sharing and knowing that she sang the backing track or the, the timing track for Cher about what it was like, you know, being a backing singer for Lionel Richie and Tina Turner and so on. But interestingly, Sting spoke about a lady called Lisa Fisher. Now, anybody who hasn't heard Lisa Fisher sing, go onto Google or Vimeo or go onto YouTube, put in Lisa Fisher and listen to this lady's voice. She is a superstar. What I loved was Sting could see the talent and he said this about Lisa Fisher. During the House of Winter, I just indicated to Lisa that she should, you know, vocalize and do something to evoke the spirit of loneliness or whatever. And out comes this voice, you know, this amazing, uh, extraordinary, ghostly, voice so every time she's performed that with me 
I've asked her to do that. And I'm also intensely proud of my band. My greatest pleasure is to stand back and let them do what they, they can do. And they kick into this song called Hounds of Winter and they go to this outvamp. And Sting was cool enough to say, all right, go, put a spotlight on her and just turn her loose. What I took from that, Robbo, is if you're a leader of a business or you work in a social group or you work in a PNC or you coach a footy team or you have a leadership role or a group of people, imagine taking that same principle and saying, give them directions, set them up and then step out of the way and just let them be superstars. And mm. I think too much leadership is about having to direct and having to control. Mm. And I just thought that was just a wonderful, wonderful example of leadership. And giving someone like Lisa Fisher the spotlight. Now, mm. we know Sting's a superstar in, mm. in every degree, but to take the spotlight off him, yeah. put it on to someone who's his backing singer and just let her do her best work, I, I think it's a wonderful lesson for all of us. Mm. Mm. Well, you've actually sparked one of me for the Rolling Stones that actually that actually has to do with Lisa Fisher as well, so we might play that one next week. Yeah. Actually, in fact, I heard an interesting piece this week from Simon Sinek, mm. who was the guy who made famous the Golden Circles, you know, the, uh, the, the power of asking why. Yep. In a new book on leadership, and he said one of the things he learned from the military and some of the great military leaders he studied was that leadership is about sacrificing self-interest. Wow, that's clever, isn't it? And I found that quite profound. And I think that Sting, as a leader of his band, has sacrificed self-interest mm. to put the spotlight onto Lisa Fisher. And um, great documentary, 20 Feet from Stardom. But um, there you go, mate. Lessons of Rock. Nice one. Another one for another week. Another one for another week. Uh, folks, if you're enjoying the show, you'd like to suggest someone for us to talk to, uh, something that you'd like to see improved, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, or you just want to leave us a nice message to get our mojo working, dial 08 I'll put that number in the show notes, or just dial 08 7200MOJO. Mm. So 087200, easy to remember. Mm. And the word MOJO on your dial pad. That's right. And uh, you'll be able to leave us a message. Uh, doesn't matter how long, mm. we'll give you a big plug. And yeah. uh, that'll help. That'll be good. Indeed. All right. See you next week then. Done. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.